The First Tee with the DP World Tour, the race to Dubai. Hello and welcome along to another episode of the First Tee Podcast with the DP World Tour, hosted by myself, Robbie Greenfield, and joining me in studio, Zane Scotland. It's our first show of the new year, so we're going to look ahead and make some predictions just to get it down on record how wildly inaccurate they turn out to be. Plus, we'll discuss Rory McIlroy's recent comments about a global tour and we'll reflect on this time of transition in professional golf. It's the first First Tee podcast with the DP World Tour of the brand new year. It's taken us 12 days to get organised, but here we are. We're in studio and it's time to welcome into the conversation my very good friend, Zane Scotland. Looking forward to another productive year in the world of golf on the DP World Tour and out with, of course, on the fairways. Uh, your own game looking very sharp at the moment, Zane. It's great to see you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, mate. Great to see you as well. I mean, there's been some really big news in the golfing world so far this year um, and just for all the listeners out there what they need to know is the real big news happened yesterday day before this podcast the news is that Robbie broke par at the fire course yes yes I, th- I didn't think we were going to lead with that for the first time <laughs> he'd done it there's everybody. a lot of big headlines in the world of golf <laughs> at the moment um, I'm not sure where that sits in the grand scheme of things but from a personal point of view it is the uh, the best round of golf I've ever shot. I'm a late bloomer. What can I say? At the age of the grand old age of 42, I've shot 70 it's at the fine, fire course. Finally, finally done it. It's a story we've been following for quite some time. It's finally I mean, happened. I, I, there's too many people to thank here. We'd be here all night. I do need to thank you. That short game lesson, probably you know, deep rooted into my subconscious. We've taken a bit of a break from the first tee podcast. The, the other reason why we did that is because um, I went off and uh, and became a father of twin girls, which was um, which was a good experience as well. Amazing. Not quite as good as breaking. Amazing. All these. All the, all, the time, all the time you put into golf, all the work, all the tips, all the different coaches you've seen, all the equipment, and having twin girls has been the yeah. it's been the turning point. So that's probably given me some maybe some, some sort of serenity, some inner peace. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, I, I'm reaching there a little bit. I'm just trying to I'm trying to hypothesise as to how my golf game became so sharp. Is is probably the only way I could describe it, Zane. Maybe that's got something to do with it. Maybe your chipping lesson is a little piece of the puzzle as well. And the other thing that I have to share with everyone is that I wasn't thinking about my score. And maybe there's a, there's a secret in that as well. Just, just so you know, you'll start thinking about your score again and <laughs> your, your, your scores will rocket, go back north again where they are normally, but enjoy it while you can. Just to quickly check in on you, because you've been playing an inordinate amount of golf as well, uh, both here and in the UK. Everything good in your world? You're looking forward to another a good year on the fairways? Yeah, I am. Um, I want to play a little bit more this year because I do enjoy golf. You know, if, While you can, you might as well do. Uh, I've been actually putting in some time which a lot of people can relate to and trying to hit the ball a bit further again. You know, I used to hit it a decent distance and it drops off because you just don't put the effort in or the time. So I've done a two or three weeks of like just actually focusing on that. So anyone here playing their golf, you know, there's, there's three things that are that make up good golf and the first the first and the, and the top of the tree is the contact so we all go to the driving range all work on our contact all the time the other part is controlling the curve you know what is it accurate or not and I think all of us that hit balls or play are always constantly working on am I striking it well is it going in the right direction but there's not many times when you would go and have a practice session and put those two pieces down and just work on your speed and just try and hit it far it is a bit of a mental challenge to be like, I don't care where the ball's going to go, but I just need to move faster. So I've done a bit of that. And so it you're has... going a bit down a bit of a Bryson DeChambeau? 
route. Bit more we pud- did some speed a, training. A bit more Padre. I don't like the protein shakes quite as much for uh, Bryson. But <laughs> okay. it, it's been... You're not bulking. No, no, not yet. Not yet. Well, I'm bulking. I'm constantly bulking. <laughs> Unfortunately, but, yeah. but anyone at not home, not in the muscular department, say anyone at home. When you have a practice session, those are the three areas: strike, curve, power. Right. Maybe once a week or once every third practice session, just hit 20, 30 balls as hard, as fast as you can. Is that the secret? You just hit it as hard as you can. That is it. I mean, I, quite a few years ago, I went to the Lee Cox and spent time with Joe Miller. At the time, Joe Miller was a you know anyone who's into their golf or long drive. He's been world champion uh, twice, I believe. I said to Joe, what's the difference? And Joe's a big guy. He's like, yeah, mm. you can do all this stuff. But he said, one thing that people just miss is go in the end of a practice session, hit 20 balls as fast as you can. Like that, and he said, that is a training session. That is a set in itself. And that's the bit that essentially uh, makes that difference. How do you hit it as fast as you can whilst also paying attention to technique? Because from my personal point of view, if I try and hit it as hard as I can, technique just goes all out of the window. So how do you maintain a little bit of... Because you do need that. You need the correct sequencing and all of that stuff. Yeah, you do. Uh, kind of that is almost the point is that... So for me, my upper speed or my cruising speed when I was hitting balls recently was about 108. And I used to be about 112, 113. This is swing speed. Swing speed, swing okay. speed, exactly. And then when I was trying to hit it hard, I was like, oh, I was getting you know maybe 111, 112. And it felt like a real effort to get back to where I used to be. So, like, so to go from... To get four mile miles per hour... I felt like I was almost like maxing out. But then obviously those shots I felt all over the place. I was putting down all the technique, all the, the three, four things I don't like about my goal swing, just accept they're going to happen, but I'm going to move faster. So I'm kind of opening up some neurological pathways of just, just moving, you know, swinging longer, you know, maybe not containing your follow through quite as much. And then over, say, two, two three weeks, all of a sudden when I would, what started out as arriving and maybe swinging at 108 miles per hour, when I was arriving, starting out, I was then swinging at 112. And then when I was trying to hit it hard, it's now my f- flat out is maybe like 116, 117 miles per hour. So then I can now go, right, that's... So, so now I can go back and go, right, well, now my normal swing, when I'm thinking about my technique and controlling all that, is now moved up. So the, right. the idea is to, to whatever your ridiculous take up your goal ceiling. swing... Whatever your ridiculous goal swing is, whatever that is, take the ceiling up. So what your normal swing is just fits in nicely sits in beneath it Mm. I like that I Mm. might give that a go Zane that might be the next uh, little chunk in my progression (laughs) Um, listen there's there's a lot of headlines there's a lot of stories coming out of the world of golf more so I think this year than in other years at this time of the year generally speaking January we ease our way back into it we're very excited here in the Middle East we're in the midst of the international swing on the DP World Tour Um, new event Um, I I don't want to talk too much about it this podcast is going to be released a little bit later on today but we're in the midst of the Dubai Invitational which is a great addition hosted by Abdullah Al Nabuda um, headlined by Rory McIlroy Rory has been in the news a lot lately he appeared on the Gary Neville uh, Let's Stick to Football podcast with Roy Keane with Jamie Carragher and Ian Wright I thought he spoke brilliantly on a range of subjects there he's definitely softened his stance on some of the more uh, combative topics in the world of golf at the moment Live Golf being certainly one of those. He's also mentioned 
of late this week. I want to get your thoughts on this, how a world tour is his dream scenario. So I want to get into that. But it has been a period of, of flux, of transition in the world of professional golf. We've seen the news um, that, that Keith Pelly is leaving his position as the CEO of the DP World Tour, the chief executive. He's quitting after eight and a half years to take up a job in his native Canada at the age of 60. Keith's done an amazing job. We've gotten to know him very well over the years. And he's steered the, the DP World Tour through some choppy waters, certainly the COVID period. He's, he's done brilliantly there in, in keeping the tour moving forward and, and always growing and and obviously making that alliance with the PGA Tour one of the hallmarks of his reign. It'll be Guy Kinnings, uh, the Deputy Chief Executive, who will take over the reins. He's also the Ryder Cup Executive Director. I know you know Guy very well. We've actually had Guy on the First Tee podcast in one of the earlier episodes we did. So there's change there. Martin Slumbers leaving the RNA. You can see where I'm going with this, mm. saying There's a lot of things happening in the world of golf as uh, talks continue continue behind the scenes to kind of unify everything but it definitely feels like this is a, a real period of transition in the game of golf yeah it feels a bit more like with all the things going on that we've happened over the last say let's say year to 24 months I feel like we're now into the back nine of what's going on like we're not quite fit, finished yet we don't know exactly where it's going to end up but we've got a bit of a journey we've maybe been one, two, three over par at one point. It's been a couple of birdies. Enjoyed your golfing analogy. Bit. Okay. And, you know, there's, there's kind of light at the end of the tunnel now. You know, now it's a bit to knuckle down, really focus, and, and bring golf kind of back into where, as a golf fan, where we all want it. So we, to the point where, what I mean by that is, we kind of know what's going on. I think there's been a lot of time now, and the golf fan has been tested to hang on, not really know what's going on a lot. It's been quite tumultuous, and now it looks like, it kind of seems like, there's light at the end of the tunnel here and this could actually work out really, really well for everybody. Yeah, um, Keith, indeed, Keith Pelly, he is heading on to become president and chief executive of Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. They own the NHL's Toronto Maple Leafs, the NBA's Toronto Raptors and the MLS side, Toronto FC. So that's a... A great uh, post for Keith. We wish him well in that. I think Guy is a very safe pair of hands. You know Guy very well. He's got a very, very good commercial head, um, formerly with IMG, of course, and the head of golf there. Um, you know, I think the DP World Tour will continue to prosper under Guy's leadership. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit like, you know, when you're in the Premier League and there's a manager leave, you think, oh, who are we going to get in? Guy's the name. Like, Guy's the person. He's been in all different parts of the tour where you know more more recently like the Ryder Cup which is obviously a huge part of the DP World Tour but from a, he, he's been he's represented players for years and years and the best some of the best players you know he looked after Colin Montgomery who really carried the tour for so many years winning all those eight orders of merit and so he has like a real grasp on what's it like from a player's point of view what's it like you know and how how that interacts with a fan you know because essentially that's the commerciality of it and now having been involved and, you know, he's rolled to this point for the last few years in the Ryder Cup and on the other side working for the DP World Tour, he's got, he'll have like a real good holistic view of what's going on. Mm. And, you know, in the, in the world of golf, there's not really anybody who's more positioned than Guy to, to hopefully smoothly step into what's going on. Because he, he'll have a he'll be very, it's not as if you're going to get someone outside the industry yeah. come in and try and kind of get hold of it and inherit a new team. Like, essentially... Essentially, it's probably as much Guy's team as it is Keith's team. Guy is the guy 
guy is for the guy. sure. Yeah, I think he's a great appointment. Let's just discuss Rory's comments about this world tour. He gave them at the start of this week, following on from his chat with the guys on the on the Let's Stick to Football podcast with Gary Neville. He was actually speaking to Golf Digest here in Dubai, where he says, "Going forward, if everything is on the table, venues have to be a big part of the consideration." He said, my dream scenario is a world tour with the proviso that corporate America has to remain a big part of it all. Saudi Arabia too, says Rory. Uh, That's just basic economics, he said. There's an untapped commercial opportunity, he continued. Investors always want to make a return on their money. Revenues at the PGA Tour are about 2.3 billion. How do we get that number to four or six? To me, it's by looking outward. They need to think internationally. They need to spread their wings a bit. I've been banging that drum for a while, says Rory. He goes on to say that the Australian Open could be like a fifth major. He said the South African Open could be given elevated status as well. These are, of course, big events on the DP World Tour, co-sanctioned, but nonetheless, big events on this circuit. Um, Rory said the market down there in Australia is huge. They love their golf. They love sport. They've been starved of top-level golf. All the courses are so good. The South African Open is another I'd like in the mix. Then you have places like Singapore, Hong Kong, Japan. What a market Japan represents. That would be another opportunity. He has definitely changed his opinion on all of this. Um, You know, I I don't have the quotes to hand, but Rory was PGA Tour all the way Mm. in the early going of all of this. And... um, you know, I think he was very much of the if it ain't broke, don't fix it school of thought when it came to the disruption that, that entered into the world of professional golf. But he said on the Gary Neville podcast, he's accepted the reality of the new situation and, and the way things are going. And he's definitely more on board with this idea that the game needs to be unified and that a global tour with a guarantee of the best players playing in set events per, um, whether however many it may be in the schedule, whether it's 16, whether it's 20, obviously the majors remaining sacrosanct. Is that where you see this game going, Zane? We spoke about this with Ian Carter just before the, just during the DP World Tour Championship at the end of last year in November, and he said we could be in the foothills of a global tour. What do you think the timeline is, and is this inevitably, inexorably where the game of golf is headed? Yeah, I mean, timeline-wise, I think we're still looking at another couple of years to get all that, to really pull that all together. I think unofficially, there has been a bit of a world tour anyway, you know, that that it can be improved. I think that's kind of what Rory's saying, is like, like it or not, the players are going to go and play in different places. Uh, you know, they're going to either going to be paid to, to, you know, come and appear and play in these tournaments, or it's a tournament they like, or it has lots of uh, stature, or has a lot of world ranking points. So that's kind of there. But what's happen- happening is they're having to dip in and out of all these different tours to go and find that own schedule. So, you know, someone like a Tommy Fleetwood, Rory McIlroy, they'll, they'll be a schedule that you pretty much know they're going to go to. But it's just they're having to dip out, in and out of all the different tours. Whereas I think what you know, Rory's kind of alluding to there is that it's like, well, we might as well just make this one tour. Because if it's one tour and everyone pulls together, then that's probably that's where the the profitability is. That's where they can generate more more money, hopefully more interest, and all pull in the same direction. Whereas obviously at the moment, doing that schedule but on different tours, everyone has their their small piece and that's pulling slightly in different directions because everyone wants to wants to grow in their own brand. And Rory stepping down from the PGA Tour end of last year, it seems like now he's a bit more liberated to look outwards. As you said, there he's accepted that something is going to happen that it's not going to be just, the whole world of golf is not going to sit under just the PGA Tour. There are more tours at play, so let's all get together 
and work in unity. Because Rory wants to play against the good players. He wants to play against his peers. And what he's found recently is some of his favourite people to play golf against, now he doesn't see them other than four times a year. That's what we all want to see. And I think there's that opportunity there. Yeah, it definitely added to the majors last year, didn't it? It definitely really added a little extra spice to those major championships. How good they are. They're so good. Unfortunately, they're concertinaed into a pretty tight kind of band in the schedule where, you know, April to to July and then it's all over. And then you've got to, you've got to wait another nine months or so for the Masters to roll around. And I tell you what, it does wonders for the Masters and the build up to that tournament. But, you know, I think what I think what the the kind of um, establishment has, has come to realise and is driving at is that really we want to create events that they're not major championships but they are massive events in the calendar that capture the imagination of of golf fans around the world and of, mm. of, of all the stakeholders in the game basically and and uh you know how do we do that i think that the dp world tour as the global tour is in a very advantageous position because the dp world tour's territory which had expanded all the way back in 1989 coming yeah, out decades. to dubai for decades going to all these different parts of the world um, you know, really puts the tour in a in a really strong position as we move forward because I do see that ultimately there will be a unification of some kind of sort under a whether it's an under un, another umbrella organization or whether the tours combine to co-sanction or to co-host these global events. Um, well, the this, DP World Tour is almost like a bit like the blueprint for it, really, to show that it can be done. You can go into all these different continents and regions and and deliver something consistent. And you know what you're going to get, and it's you know really good like product. Everyone says you know get great tournaments, and you can get and, and the good players who who progress through, and we get some of the world's best players like you know Rory Rory Scottish Scheffler, world number one, number two, and you know looking back across Rory's career, he still comes here to the Middle East at this time of year because he knows that's part of what's made him great coming here. He doesn't just just camp out in the PGA Tour and I'm not going to move, compete against some of the world's best players get some good weather, start the season, get it off and running. And that is all part of it. And actually being a nice rounded golfer, not just, you know, just getting used to one type of golf. Golf is so big, it can just engulf, it can engulf so much. And look at all the goodness that can come from it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, you know, where, where golf maybe has more issues than, say, a sport like tennis, is that tennis is, is, is generally spread a little bit more evenly across the globe. Golf is very concentrated in its power circles in America. Three of the four men's majors are in America. Obviously, the LPGA Tour on the women's side is, is dominant there as well. And you could easily, as the PGA Tour have done, you could easily have a tour that exists entirely within the US that kind of defeats the purpose of a global tour. But then... I think what you end up getting is, is, a, is a calendar that becomes bloated and events that just generally suffer and sponsors maybe feel like they don't quite get the value that they're looking for because they don't get the names consistently, the guaranteed names. And I'm sure you've always got those back and forths. And I wonder, I guess the real tricky one is to how to keep everyone happy, how to keep everyone who wants to invest in the game, who wants to put money into the game, how to keep them all content because at the end of the day if you want to create this f1 style roadshow outside of the four majors you've only really got at maximum about 16 slots how many of them are in the u.s then where do you go you've obviously got to have one here in the middle east saudi arabia are a a massive now 
country and, and, and force in the game. So you, you're going to assume that there's going to be one there. You've got to have one here in the UAE. Yep. I'm biased, but you've got to. This is, this is a very important part of the world of golf in terms of its profile and in terms of its history in the game. Australia, South Africa, the Far East, the UK, obviously Europe. You know, it's, you, you quickly run out of uh, you know, those spots to use them up very quickly. I'm, I'm going to assume that they'd want to have at least 10 of those events in the US because Rory alluded to it himself. Corporate America is still such a massive player. It's the dominant, by far, majority player in the, in the game from a terms of like a influence point of view. Yeah, well, and that'd be so exciting to see you know, I think it's great that some someone like Rory comes to the Middle East, but wouldn't it be fantastic to see all these great players go to the different countries, different continents, and different cultures and different styles of golf courses around the world to see how they perform in different places? Definitely, I'd love to That's see them in Brazil, part different parts of the world. Like, really go, you know, bring a really big event back to China, get the crowds out there. Mm. There's definitely scope for it. Um, and, and again, if you can guarantee the top 50 players on the planet. You've suddenly got a really compelling, yeah, really exactly. kind of action-packed um, offering there. But, uh, you know, we wait to see. I mean, as Zane has just alluded to, this could be a couple of years before it all gets sorted out. Because there is an awful lot. I pity the guys. I feel for the guys that have to sort this all out behind closed doors. Because it is a bit of a headache. It is a massive headache. The scheduling is something that, you know, we sit here as a fan and just take for granted. And how they fit that all in and what tournament pulled rank and has a hierarchy and what players are going where so then you, and then you have a sponsor that that time of year will fit that those people but if you want to put in that much you want that player you're going to have to go into this section there's so much I do not envy the person who has to do but that but as you say the disruption has, has happened in the game it feels like as you point out we're on the back nine now we're moving towards a good resolution so I'm excited about where the game is headed in 2024 and beyond that as well do want to talk Rory uh, just continuing to just, just uh, to, to dwell on Rory and his prospects for 2024 he started the year with a bang. Um, he feels and looks relaxed. I've, I've noticed that in interviews. You mentioned the decision to step down from the PGA Tour policy board. It's probably taken a weight off his shoulders. I know that we keep banging the same drum. When is Rory going to win another major? It's now a decade, or at least it's coming up to the decade anniversary since he last won the PGA Championship back in 2014. They return there to Valhalla this year. Uh, do the uh, the major championships so uh, once again I'm sure that will be a big talking point um, the PGA championship takes place 16th to the 19th of May of course the Masters Rory needs that one to complete the career Grand Slam as well is Rory going to win a major in 2024 Zane? This is a funny one Rory is the favourite going to majors there's been a bit of an evolution in terms of you know we were thinking okay when the going gets tough are there better players than Rory than than what we've seen in the past. He's gone from maybe not finishing off to like, okay, now he's not done anything wrong and people have beaten him. Is this... This time last year, I was thinking it's conceivable, and it, it possibly still is, like nothing's guaranteed. It's conceivable that he might not win another major. It's not a given that he's going to, even as much as we all want to see that happen. Kind of what you were chatting about there, really. The, You know, it just seems a bit more liberated. I thought what we were going to see with Roy stepping down was he was not in a way going to go into his shell in terms of like we weren't really going to hear from him very much and he's just going to go to playing golf and don't talk to me about business but as it is it's almost he's been a bit more liberated to talk much more freely and probably be himself a bit more now from a, a being a Rory fan I'm trying to take the goodness out of that and be like okay 
and then how can I add this into him playing better golf? <laughs> you know, and is this oh. is this going to help him? And it, was that in the back of his mind uh, in doing all that? Could is this another piece of the puzzle that's been put together to finally see Rory, you know, kind of a decade on, win a win a major? I don't think it's not a negative. I think he's he's now probably better off, closer. And we're saying this off the back of the fact that he just smoked it around the creek in in minus nines in nine under par. So that's always you know he's obviously playing well right now. But yeah, I think it's a positive. Yes, I agree. Is he going to win a major in 2024? I want to put your colours to the mast, Zane. Come on. If you'd asked me in November, mm. by the way, I would have said no. Mm. Um, I've completely flip-flopped. Uh, knee-jerk reaction, of course. Um, I'm going to say he will. I think Rory will win a major in 2024. Don't ask me to name the major he's going to win. I think gun to the head, probably... Valhalla makes a lot of sense since he won. You know what though? But even with all this, and again, that was ten years ago. It's, <laughs> so. it's cool. We, we, do we want to? Oh, yes, I want to see Rory win another major. That's great. But you know what? We want to see him win the Masters. That's the one. That's going to really bolster his his position as a legend in the game. Having that Grand Slam. Don't ask me to say he's going to win the Masters. I can't do it. I, if, I, if I had to win make, the Masters, if I had to make a prediction for the Masters right now. And so much can change. I mean, so much can change. If we think our way back to this time last year, just before John Rahm went on that crazy tear where he won the Genesis Open, he won a bunch of PGA Tour events leading up to Mm. Augusta, and and he was just the dominant force by the time he arrived at Augusta. And and sure enough, he won the Masters. Um, I think right now, as things stand, I think it's just begging for a Victor Hovland win. I think Victor Hovland, towards the end of last year, certainly at the Ryder Cup, certainly towards the end of the year, he won the FedEx Cup champ- uh, FedEx Cup playoffs over on the PGA Tour, playing some incredible golf. He's the guy, I think, that, that could take another step forward and could become, if not the dominant player on the tour, the guy that you know people are shooting for. I, yeah. think, I think he's going to win a major this year. Yeah, he's, he's, he's the next kind of world number one in waiting, I think. You know, we've had the guys you know, who have shared that post, uh, been at the top of the game. He's kind of in waiting now. And the, and, and the piece between being where he is now to being uh, the best player in the game is getting that major win under his belt. I think he's going to do it. So I think Victor Hovland right now would be my master's So Rory's tip. a maybe, but Victor's a definite. Rory, I think he will. He'll find a way to get past the line because the thing about Rory is he can he can win any any of the four majors because mm. his game is so is such an all round good game. He can win as we've seen. He can win the U.S. Open. We know he can win the Masters. He just hasn't done it yet. The Open Championship, he's done it. PGA, he's won it twice. So Rory Rory can 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 be the favourite going into any major if he's playing as well as he can play. Um, Victor, I think, will be more suited perhaps to certain other tournaments i certainly think the masters is up his street um if we look at the u.s open it's it's held at pinehurst this year pinehurst is notoriously kind of tight very tricky golf course the greens are going to be super quick as they always are at a u.s open and it won't be the thick lush rough that we see in other u.s open venues but there'll be plenty of hazards there'll be plenty of trouble out there you know, as as always with the U.S. Open, the scoring is going to be it's going to be difficult. It's going to be quite uh, quite high compared to some of the other major championships, and um, it's going to be all about the guy who can strike it the best, find the most fairways, and putt well, as it always is at the at the U.S. Open. So just to round it out, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. <laughs> Rory will win a major. I don't think it'll be the Masters. Okay, that's where I'm going to sit. That, that's top. your bold prediction, yeah. is it? Who else is going to break through? There's been a lot of talk about Ludwig Oberg. 
Mm-hmm. Is is this going to be a year? He hasn't played a major championship yet. Is he gonna? Is he going to arrive on the scene and do something outrageous, Zane, or or is he going to find his way in twenty twenty four? Just mm-hmm. find his feet a little bit. I, you know what? Like, I think there there is the, there's a, a strong possibility that he may not find his feet. And he, and, and what I mean by that, he's as in his feet won't touch the ground. I think he's in that part. He's that he's that age. He can do things with the golf ball that not many other people can. You know, like Rory McIlroy came out and said. I saw, you know, at a PJ Tour event when he first saw him, he was and Rory McIlroy was impressed. And Rory's that guy who hits shots with which other players go, you know, I haven't got that. He's got it. So I think I think he's going to see a big year from from Ludwig. I just think I don't think his his feet won't touch the ground, and I think he's just gonna he's gonna do something real big this year. And he won't even know what he's done. Like I, for instance, he'll be like a he'll win the Masters and be like, what is that not what? And everyone will be like, this is amazing, and he'll be like. Is that not what you're supposed to do? Exactly like he did get into the Ryder Cup team. Okay, all right. So you're you're, you're back. You back? Is that an official prediction? Big. Zane? Going big on Ludwig. So yeah. Lud- Ludwig's going to win the Masters. Yeah, you're he's going straight. Pick. Is it the first major he's ever played in? He's going to rock up yeah. and win it. He's that guy. Okay. Well, it's good that we've recorded this. We can revisit this <laughs> and just Come reflect on, on how wrong we are. Um, as as always, my predictions are historically terrible. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to be that bold. I don't think he's going to win a major this year. But I think he's going to contend in a major this year. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see some back nine contention mm-hmm. on the Sunday of a major for Ludwig Oberg. Who else? Scotty. I mean, Scotty Scheffler has been that bastion of consistency these last couple of years. But it's just starting to come a couple of question marks about his putting under pressure and his ability to close out big tournaments. It hasn't been the most fruitful year from that point of view in the last 12 months for Scotty. Although it's been unbelievably consistent, yeah, uh, PJ Tour Player of the Year, ball striking has been absolutely exceptional. Putted like terribly, to be honest with you, and was still and some and somehow you still were number one. Started get, started getting lessons from Phil Kenyon towards the end of last year, and just been in in around the Ryder Cup sort of time. Said that he found something. I, my personal opinion is, I think in, in putting, if you can get something to click. It's quite a simple change, you know, trying to change your putting stroke. So he found something in his, his technique and his stroke that he didn't know about before. I think he'll be able to fix that. One, because he's, you know, he's obviously got the hand-eye coordination and he's a talented guy and he's got arguably arguably the best putting coach in the world standing over and watching and checking is he doing that bit properly because the rest of it, he can clearly hold a putt. You know, that's no problem. It was just something crept in his technique. So, you know, going on his comments there, I think we're going to see a, a really big year from Scotty Scheffler because even if he doesn't strike the ball as well as last year, he's still going to be arguably the best or one of the best ball strikers because mm-hmm. he was so much better than everyone else. So even if his ball striking drops off a touch, that coupled with putting getting a little bit better, to your point there, not being able to finish off tournaments, well, the the winners of the golf tournaments normally come from the, the top 10 best ball strikers that week and then it will be the best putter in those in that, in that bracket. In that bracket. So, so now, that's the bit that finishes off the tournament because he's up there every week. You know, because we saw it for years and years on on European tour now, DP World Tour, or Lee Westwood, not being an amazing putter, but up there every single week. It's because he was so good tee to green. You can be a slightly off putter, but always be in the mix. Always be in the mix. And then in the one week where you putt well, you win. And that is it. So, going on his comments, what he said, kind of reading between the lines. I think we're going to see. I think we're going to see quite a few winters got so, this year. So we're basically naming all the guys that played well last year and we're predicting major successes for them. If we think back to last year, Brian Harmon won the Open. Wyndham Clark won the US Open. 
there's going to be, you know, it's golf, isn't it? There's going to be a name like that that just pops up out of nowhere. Don't ask me to tell you who it is, but that's the way yeah. the, the game works, isn't it? Yeah, and, and you know, another, another big name who, who keeps knocking on the door and who will want to win is, is Tommy Fleetwood. And, and I think that, that task is getting harder and harder for Tommy at the moment, you know, to, to get those, he has the quality to win so often, but doesn't quite. And something's going to click. Mm. It's going to happen at, one, at some point. If it's this year, then great. But you know, the, it's it's so hard. It's, uh, the class of Tommy Fleetwood, how good he is, how many times been in contention, and he just can't quite get the wins that we think he should get. You know, but as we know in golf, one little thing happens. You just hold a putt at the right time, which then leads to, leads to one win, and then the floodgates can open. Uh, you know, another. You know, it's in the offing. He's like nearly there. He's like he's on the if. If this whole thing in the world of golf is on the back nine, he's literally on 17. He's just got to just got to get his tee shot on the last hole, begin the par, hit down the middle, not flare it out right like you did personally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't don't bring in me your, don't, your good round. Don't drag me back into this saying so so basically Zane and mine predictions for 2024 uh, we're tipping Victor Hovland Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler to have big years yeah. and Ludwig Aberg and Ludwig Aberg um, and not, not exactly stuck our necks out there but let's see let's see I'm going to ask you a, a slightly trickier question I think that Rory begins every year as the red hot favourite to win the race to Dubai trophy on the DP World Tour he accomplished that feat playing in 10 events last year by a, a wide margin with 5,295 points over the second place Nikolai Hoygaard who won the tournament Nikolai will be playing a lot of golf on the PGA Tour this year, Adrian Moronk will also, who finished fourth, be pay- playing on the PGA Tour. Obviously, we've lost John Rahm. Who is going to be the breakout star on the DP World Tour? Who is going to be the name on the DP World Tour that makes a few waves in 2024? Zane Scotland. Interesting enough, I'm going to say, and he started well here last year, Victor Perez. Okay. He, you know, won in Abu Dhabi last year. Uh, we, co- we covered that, followed him in his last couple of holes. Super impressive player. As you got to play with him in a pro-am uh, in the middle of the year last year and chatted to him and got a little bit of insight because he was obviously at that early last year he was he was a stalwart for getting the Ryder Cup ended up not getting in the Ryder Cup and he did have a slight dip in form which I thought was odd but from chatting to him he had some injuries which he was kind of playing he was playing while having those injuries because he was trying to chase points and that kind of dipped off so now he's kind of get, getting over that I think he's a name that has gone quiet but he's going to come back in just because he didn't lose his game. He decided he was injured. So now he can mm. get fit again. He's still that player. I mean, you might just look at me and say, you're only tipping this guy because he's currently leading the race to Dubai rankings. But I do think Minwoo Lee is mm. going to be a big name this year. I, I think Minwoo Lee is a guy that's capable of challenging for the race to Dubai trophy. He played 15 tournaments on the DP World Tour last year. He's got off to a flying start. He's already got a win under his belt. And he's got that big game, hasn't he? Min Woo's got that 180-mile-plus ball speed. He's got the dynamic, uh, explosive game where he can, he can make things happen. He can go very low. And, you know, I, I just think he's very impressive to watch. He's got it always, the full package. He can flight the ball beautifully. And, you know, he can play on a wide variety of different golf courses and do well on those. So 25 years of age, full of confidence, uh, again, not exactly sticking my neck out here. I'm not pulling someone from obscurity when I when I name Minwoo Lee. He is leading the race to Dubai currently, but I'm backing him for a really, really strong 2024. 
Yeah, that's a good shout. He he is a, he's very much a new age golfer. One in his game, you know, he's a he's a high speed guy. Really, he can hit the stinger. You know, he's he's a creative player. You know, he's like a he's like a toned down Matt Boucher in that way. You know, he's he can move the ball both ways. He can play in the wind, hit the ball a long way. You know, he's obviously won the Scottish Open. Comes from an amazing golfing family. You know, he's, essentially he's probably still the second best golfer in his own family. So he's got a point to prove there. <laughs> let alone to the rest of us. And he's kind of he is new age. You know, if he's a really good, he's interesting follow on on social media on his Instagram. You know, he kind of embraces that rather than it being a distraction to him. Obviously likes the crowd. You know, when he was playing down in Australia, kind of you know, ear, uh, hand to the ear and stuff when he was holding putts and so forth. You know, he embraces it. So yeah, he he has the potential to take on a big. A big win because you know you got to have the game. That's part of it. But this day and age, you got to have the character to be able to carry all the bits that go around it, and you know, and deal with the press and the media. And he seems to relish that and want to get involved in it rather than shy away from it. So, yeah, that's a that's a really good call. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, plenty to look forward to. Such a good schedule on the DP World Tour during this period of the international swing. We're focused here in the Middle East. We're going to be back next week with another episode. Zane, the Hero Dubai Desert Classic next week as well. Looking forward to that one. We'll have a special guest alongside us as well, hopefully, next week. Um, I've got to quickly ask, before we wrap things up for today's episode, Tiger Woods will always draw attention. Of course, we saw the recent parting of the ways with, with Nike, the end of an era there. You know, One of the most iconic brand partnerships of any athlete globally, maybe only Michael Jordan could maybe claim to supersede Tiger's and, and Nike's partnership. So we, we wait to see what clothing and apparel he rocks up in next time he plays in the tournament, which is going to be the Genesis Invitational, which he hosts. Uh, what kind of year is Tiger going to have? And is Tiger going to be Ryder Cup captain for 2025? That's a, that's a good one there. Um, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's start that one. So... So when that was announced that he we're was not really wrapping up here, no, are we? No, we're, not, we're, we're opening up another can of worms. It's almost the subject, isn't it? Yeah, when you know when that was the the, the announcement made with his clothing company Nike that he was, uh, you know, they were part in company. For me, that was just like that. That is an end of an era. You know, we talk about all these other things going on in golf, like the you know the tours and people falling out of people. But that that was the one piece I was I was like. I was gutted. Like, you know, that, that he is that guy. <laughs> you were gutted was, at a sponsorship deal ending. So. Yeah, he, he, is, he is that guy, isn't he? Like, I was a bit wistful about it as well, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, like, a bunch of people were sending me, sending me stuff on Instagram and I was just I was just writing back, golf is dead. <laughs> it's done. I'm looking for another sport. Um, yeah, what type of year is he going to have? Really exciting, actually. You know, it, because whenever Tiger puts his mind to something to do with having a golf club in his hand, something special happens. I don't know exactly what that'll be, you know, like, and, you know, we've I've tried to make some, we've made some bold statements today, like, if Tiger does play, like, he's the man who says, I need to play to win, I need to play to do something, which is, you know, he's, he's impressed, you know, us, you know, since we've seen him on our screens. He'll figure if if he's you about to tip fit, Tiger to win his sixteenth major. I'm not even I'm not even going <laughs> to pretend that I don't think that can happen. He'll be in a mix somewhere. He'll, he'll be in one of them. Something will happen. Whether he will do it or not, I don't know. Because because like he because like it or not, he's still got to play an amount of tournaments. But he'll win. He'll win something. He'll win year. something. He's going to win something. You, if he if he plays more than five tournaments, I think he'll win something. Maybe the PNC Championship with his son, Charlie, helping him out there. Maybe. Uh, I, I don't know. Look, a win's a win, Robbie. You can I'm only beat sure. the people you're playing against. 
winning an event in 2024. That's a big. That's the biggest shout you've made so far, Zane. Well, when I followed, I followed him, I actually had his group on the Friday of when he uh, played at St Andrews at, at the old course when I was uh, working with Ian Carter for Five Live, and uh, so got to watch his round, and it was like a bit of a moment. Like, oh, is this his last major? Is this the last time we're going to see Tiger play? And it, it did feel like that at the time. Totally felt like that. It totally felt like that. At felt the time. like a goodbye, didn't it? It did. It really, really did. But there, there were two things. Like he didn't drop. He didn't. Never stopped on the bridge. He just. He just walked across it. So that that was like okay. Well, we thought we were going to get a wave there. He didn't bother doing that, which is kind of like Jack Nicklaus has done it. Nick Fowler has done it. You know that that's kind of been a bit of a thing. And the other part was like actually his game, Peter Green. You know, I followed. His, I followed his his game. For Thursday and Friday, right there, you know, front row seats. His game, Peter Green. He was the best player in his group, and he played with Fitzpatrick and, and Max Homer. By far and away, outplayed those two. But he didn't putt very well. He just putted really poorly, and he missed the cut. Normally, when someone's retiring, they can't really hit it anymore. Yet we've just watched Tiger Woods outdrive these guys and hit it closer and hit, be more creative with his shots. Like he's clearly not done with his game. Mm. It's just, but. He looked in real bother walking around St Andrews up and down the little hills. So that's, that's always going to be the question. How is that body, which has mm. had yet more surgery subsequently after that tournament, how is it going to hold up? That's the big question. Obviously, we are going to be watching and uh, it's going to be very intriguing to see how he performs at the Genesis Invitational, which is a tournament that he hosts as well. Uh, so Tiger's year, Zane's made the bold shout, he's going to win. He's not going to go as far as to say he's going to win a major, but Tiger Woods is going to lift a trophy in 2024. Wow. I would pay good money to see that. Put it that way, Zane. I would pay very good money to see that. But listen, we're out of time for today's episode. Uh, Special guests on the way for 2024. Looking forward to bringing you a lot more from the first tee with the DP World Tour podcast in 2024. And uh, I promise not to mention in the next episode any of my own golfing exploits we've done far too much of that Zane over these last few weeks well the next one is if you break 70 <laughs> maybe if uh, I do that uh, he changed his mind now who uh, knows if I do that Tiger may just win I'll on tour up. this year right listen Zane enjoy the rest of the Invitational and uh, we're going to catch up with you guys previewing the Hero Dubai Desert Classic in company with one of the big names on the DP World Tour as well until then though uh, enjoy your golf wherever that may be wherever you are listening and we'll catch you soon on the First Tee Podcast with the DP World Tour The First Tee